You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Convos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today we're talking to my super good friend Moran and I'm so excited for this episode because I think it's going to be really helpful, especially to the younger or newer runners out there who are looking to chase their dreams and are super ambitious. Moran has some really good insight. He is a volunteer coach at the D1 program at Oregon State and he also has experience as an athlete running for UW and then NC State for his fifth year and also professionally for a little while. So he has some great insight. We answer your guys' most commonly asked questions about how to get faster as an athlete, the best things that you can do as a high school runner to be better, and a lot more. So stay tuned for today's episode. podcast i think all of our friends are going to be jealous to be honest i think so too um first and foremost thanks for having me i really appreciate it <laughs> this is like one of the only live podcasts i've done moran is my neighbor um but besides that do you want to give a little intro of who you are and what uh, you're about yes yeah it took me 10 steps to get here so that was kind of <laughs> nice um i am moran simon i'm from federal way washington which is about 20 minutes south of Seattle. Um, I went to Federal Way High School, and then I went to the University of Washington for four years. And then for my fifth year, I decided to go all the way out to Raleigh, North Carolina, and run for North... <laughs> you already State. Your I was like, school. North, North Carolina State University. I was trying to do the, the long way. Um, and then I went to NC State, and then I ran uh, professionally in Boulder, Colorado with brad hudson's group uh hudson elite which was um a lot of fun but i was pretty much injured the whole time which kind of sucked and then i went out to new york and ran for njny um under frank gagliano which was one of the greatest experiences of my life for sure um and then now i'm in portland what are you doing here (laughs) um well currently in portland because of the pandemic and just hunker down up here, but I originally went down to Corvallis, um, Oregon, where I was the volunteer for Oregon State, um, and have just been helping helping Louis Quintana, the head coach there, just work with work with the uh, women um, athletes. Nice. 
I feel when I don't remember when we first met. I I think it was in 2019 at some point. It was probably a while, yeah. And I didn't know who you were, but you were introduced to me as as the guy that won the Pepsi invite against my teammate Tongi Pepua. You guys have probably already seen the video. Ron hates me right now for bringing this up the first thing of the podcast. <laughs> you have definitely seen the video. It's probably on what is it on like ESPN top fails or something it was on espn not top 10 for a while yeah uh, yeah that's how i'm introduced to everyone now <laughs> and i recognized him immediately because he <laughs> had the greatest kick of all time so my teammate was sprinting down the home stretch of hayward field like raising his arms to the audience who were like oh <laughs> you see Moran sprint past i'll lean him for the dub and it was hilarious i was i remember watching from like the grandstands and i was just dying of laughter and that was iconic moron so that was my first introduction to you thank you yeah i mean that's that's how a lot of people remember <laughs> me which is crazy because um it was it was obviously a very surreal moment and it was really exciting <laughs> and it was nice to win but um a little overwhelming for sure <laughs> And the fact that it gets brought up every single week, I think, yes. that we're with our friends. So. Especially the fact that it was, like, six years ago. <laughs> yeah. I feel cool because I was there, yeah. but. um, So, you went to NC State all mm-hmm. four years. And then, why why did you pick NC State? Well, I went to Washington for four years. And then oh, NC State. Oh, right, right, yep. right, right. Washington for four years and then NC State. Washington for four years. Um, well, I chose Washington um, because... I was just a local kid, loved the school, grew up a UW fan, and then had a great experience there, made a lot of friends, and then I just kind of wanted to change um, for my fifth year, um, and for the recruiting process, it kind of just like reopens up, and the fun part is you're a lot smarter when you're 22 years old versus when you're a 17-year-old You know more of what school. you want. Exactly. Um, you don't really... You don't really get one over by like the cool locker rooms and stuff. Like you're actually going in, it's like wondering about the training plan and like the team camaraderie and all the fun stuff. What were your times coming out of high school? Like, did you have many options for college because you stayed at home? I mean, UW is a really good program, but yeah, were you good in high school? Um, it's a great way to phrase it. I <laughs> actually was not very good out of high school. Um, my first couple years in high school, I was actually terrible. Um, my junior year, I ran times of 945 in the 3200 and 425 in the mile. And that would not be on anyone's radar. It would be on a lot of maybe like mid-major type colleges. Um, and then my senior year, I was able to run 904 and 414, which was a huge jump, which was really exciting. But um, I ran it that outdoor season so by that point i was already signed to dub and already decided on the, the school that i was going to which i was really excited for but um i think that i probably could have like had other like more options i guess like more like power five options um but i'm happy with the place that i want yeah mm-hmm. and then how was like your overall college experience i mean you must have improved a lot to be able to run professionally yeah, yeah, I got I got really lucky in the sense of just being able to improve. I kind of just put my head down and was able to stay healthy uh, relatively for all five years, give or take um, a few months here or there. Um, 
and just just trusted the coaches and just kind of love to race, love to win kind of thing. And that's all that really mattered to me. So when you graduated, did you know that you were going to run professionally? Like, was that your goal? I wanted to start running professionally, honestly, when I was like a freshman in college. Okay. Like, I just absolutely loved running. Um, I loved everything about it. And that's the reason I'm here now coaching. Um, And I got to the point where I was able to maybe join a team here or join a team there. But there's obviously a lot of other athletes that have done so much more and have won NCAA titles and have done X, Y, and Z. Um, but it just kind of shows that anyone can run post-collegially. It doesn't really matter on how talented you are, any of that kind of stuff. Like as long as you just stay healthy and work hard, you can so, do it. Like what was that process like? Cause I, I mean, I never really pursued it. So mm-hmm. you graduated from college. Did you have offers or like agents? Like, I don't know. I, every person that I've talked to is so different because you have people like Carissa yes. who's our friend who obviously has an agent and had offers but so then there's other people that, that do the opposite so. exactly so a lot of those athletes like at NCAAs um are going to have agents just sitting there waiting for them um but then there's going to be the other half that a lot of people don't realize that um are the ones that have to go out of their way and email coaches or um maybe email an agent or somebody to like come and help and support them to be able to like pursue pursue the dream maybe for a few more years afterwards um so my my um experience was the latter i had to go out of my way to email coaches i had to go out of my way to like um decide where i was going to live decide what i wanted to do afterwards and decide what um what i wanted out of running what, of what was the professional running experience like for you Again, everyone's is so different, yeah. so I'm very curious. I don't think we've ever really talked about this. I kind of forget that we you ran. It. Yeah. Um, well, I was just hurt for so oh. much of it that I was just, like, it's one of those like chapters that you really want to close, but it's always fun to kind of look back because the experience is awesome. I mean, the two teams that I joined, like Hudson Elite, I was able to make such close friends there in Boulder and such a great, such a great city. Um, and then going to NJNY and getting to run under the best coach of all time, possibly, um, and like meet all those guys and stuff. And I think that my experience was fun up until the actual running, which is crazy <laughs> to say. I was just it's, like, every, everyone understands the highs and lows of running. Like, yeah. you're just passionate and you love it. And um, when, you're, when you're running and you're running 90 to 100 mile weeks, everything's awesome. But when you're hurt and all your friends and teammates are going out for long runs and you're just sitting at home, it's a really low point kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So when when did you decide to make that transition from pro running to – did you have like a break after that or did you know that you wanted to coach? Um, good question. I was I – I remember the almost the exact point. I was in New York um, and everything just wasn't clicking um, as well as – Obviously, I hoped, as well as everyone hopes, um, everything wasn't clicking, and I just knew that I needed a plan on the back end. Like I know, I just needed a plan of like what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, and I knew I loved running, um, but the running itself wasn't going in the right direction. But if I could just stay in the sport and coach, that'd be awesome. So I just sent an email 
to the local um, community college just to ask the AD if I can be like a volunteer for the program. Um, and the luckiest thing happened to me was their head coach was on the way out and the AD pretty much just said, Hey, do you want to be our head coach? And I was, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And I was I know, like, oh, yeah. five or something. And all the athletes are 19, 20. So that was, that was a very, very, very interesting and fun experience. Um, I feel like that would be so nerve wracking. Yeah. To oh, be like, okay, yeah, no coaching experience. Sure. Be a head coach. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I think it was more of, um, the logistical side. I, I didn't realize how much went on on the back end of, of the coaching and stuff. When you're an athlete, you don't, you don't yeah. think, you know what I mean? You just, you just show yeah. up and you run. But when you're a coach, like there's like, um, making sure the hotels are booked, making sure that, uh, all of the athletes are registered in the meet weekly all things like there's so many little things in like yeah. at a community college it's not like we had like a director of ops or anything yeah so i had to do everything did you have an assistant coach too or was it just you i had an assistant coach um and he i think he was in his 40s okay. too so that was that was interesting being 25 <laughs> with like a 45 year old assistant but it was fun yeah yeah I bet you learned a lot. I like when I coached at UP, it was fun just to see the operation side. Again, it's like, you Definitely. don't, you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes. Cause yeah. like when, when I was in college, you were just like giving your plane ticket, you're giving your per diem, you're oh, automatically sorry. registered in the race. Yeah. Like you're just, all you had to do is show up and run. Yeah. So no, hundred percent. Yeah. I didn't realize how much of things are done like months in advance. Yeah. Um, especially like when I got to, Oregon State and Louis Quintana is like probably the greatest coach that I've ever crossed paths with the most organized like just gets things done and he was like preparing for like the Stanford invite in like December and I was like what like <laughs> it's December like what are you talking about we have indoor season still and he's already getting ready for like the outdoor season and um those those are the little things that you don't realize when you're actually running for a program. Yeah, is how much stuff is actually going inside the office, and coaches are there all day. Yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's exactly. A very thankless job. No, I know. So then, when did you move? Did you move back to Oregon, Washington, after New York? No, I haven't. I haven't lived like home in since high school. Honestly, okay. Yeah, so I moved out of my mom's basement um out of high school and then went to college in seattle and then from there on out i just have always been living around the country or living on my own or whatever man yeah it's been wild it's been a good road <laughs> well now you're here in oregon yeah. and i kind of want to dive into you know the oregon state side of stuff and i we both talked about this before we started the podcast i want this podcast to be helpful to high schoolers because it's nice to have like another coach on, especially for a program like Oregon State that's up and coming. And mm -hmm. it's been like a developmental program, it seems like, over the past couple of years. I mean, you guys have definitely improved since I was in college. So yeah. I want to make this episode super helpful to those like looking to run collegiately or just to like get better as an athlete. So Moran is here to help <laughs> to help us out. Moran has all the answers. Happy to help. <laughs> okay, so let's start um what do you what qualities do you think make a good runner make a good runner i would honestly just say being tenacious showing up every day and shutting off the mind yeah i i coach a few of uh my friends here in portland and one of the best advice that i always give them is just stop thinking and just 
just go out and run. Yeah. Um, I think the best runners are honestly the people that just trust their coach, show up every day, do what they're supposed to do. And if it goes good, awesome. If it goes bad, brush it off and just show up tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it is a lot about consistency. Big time. And that's like not really a fun thing. <laughs> like consistency isn't, I don't know, glamorous. It's putting in the work every single day rather than having like amazing workouts every single day. Yeah. We talked about this before, but you said something about like boring workouts are sexy. Yeah. Can so, you describe that a little bit for us? Well, the thing about uh, like the modern time of having uh, Strava and Instagram and stuff, people love to like post their workouts and like have like these crazy ladders or these crazy times. Like that is not what's going to make you good every single day, day in, day out. Like you go look at what your favorite professional runner runs. Um, they're not doing that every day. Like there's some days they're going for a very slow, easy 10 mile run, whatever. Um, that's the stuff that, that's the stuff that's making them better. The recovery on the back end is what's making them actually better. Um, and especially in high school. Cause I remember when I, when I was coming up, like I, I always wanted to be good, but I always just wanted the secret stuff. I always wanted like, Oh, Galen Rupp ran this workout. I should do that because that's going to make me good. But honestly, what made him good was the consistency of miles and not getting hurt for however many years, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think once I finally figured that out from, let's say, my junior to senior year, um, everything started clicking. Everything. All, and all I did was just run. All yeah. I did was show up on weekends, run, like get my teammates to come out. Like it's a lot simpler than people make it seem to be. Yeah. And honestly, like I didn't learn that until college too. I mean, I had a decent, I had decent training growing up. I mean, mm -hmm. I was a very good athlete in high school, not to toot my own horn, <laughs> but I think what really made all the difference from like transitioning from like a good elite athlete to like a great one at the university of Oregon was yeah. not that I, I mean, just being at the university of Oregon and the elite program you are an elite athlete. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Um, would be like, yeah, the consistency and the recovery side of it, because we would work out super hard, like twice a week. Mm -hmm. And then all the other days we would go so slow on our easy runs. And yeah. when I got to Oregon, like when I transferred there, I was, I was so worried that I was going to get pummeled into the ground and it, it was actually the opposite. Like I, it, I was like the best I felt in forever. Like I would feel so good in my workouts and I would feel so good in races because I really prioritized the recovery side of it. Big time. And I feel like just growing up, I mean, I just had no idea. I was like, okay, if I, if, if I race at six minute pace, then my easy run should be at eight minute pace, like the two minute, like translation that I don't know. But I think, um, when I really started prioritizing, like how I felt on my recovery days and like really made sure I went easy and holding myself back. I think that was a game changer for me. But then I see people like high schoolers on TikTok. This is my pet peeve. Hmm. High schoolers on TikTok or Instagram that are doing their runs at like seven minute pace. And I'm like, what are you doing? Relax, yeah. Like maybe, I don't know. Maybe I don't want to speak for everyone. Mm -hmm. Maybe some people can run that fast and still have it be easy. But I just feel like that's too hard. To get to that. I believe, yeah. I believe that's too hard for some high schoolers. Uh, depends on how good you are yeah. kind of thing. But at the end of the day, it's honestly just consistent, simple, like easy work. Yeah. Um, especially, especially in high school. Like in high school, it's just, I believe that high school is where you just find the love for the sport. You find the love, you, you make some like lifelong friends, um, show up every day, trust your high school coach, 
Um, and as long as you do that, like everything's going to keep building and that's how you're going to be able to go to college and keep building from there. Yeah. Learning to trust your college coach then. And then if you stay healthy for the four to five years that you are in college, you have a great shot at running professionally or post-collegially. Yeah. I think having fun in high school is such a key part of your development as a runner and like being able to keep going throughout the years and having longevity in the sport because there's just so many people that burn out if you're running seven minute pace on all your runs. I feel like it just, yeah, it just is going to (laughs) be, I don't even know what the right word is. It just makes it, it just makes it hard on you. Yeah. And like mental, like the mental game of running is so much bigger than people realize. So if you're just constantly like ramming yourself into the wall with all these workouts and runs or whatever, like running hard all the time, at one point you're either a going to break or just start hating the sport. Yeah. And you don't want to do either of those. Exactly. Um, So at the end of the day, like if you can just stay healthy for X amount of years, you're going to get better. Yeah. Almost as simple as that. Yeah. It's just consistency. How many days a week do you think high schoolers should be running? Um, I guess it depends is the best answer. I would personally say six. Yeah. Six is probably a good thing. Um, You definitely should run on the weekends, uh, which is something I did not do for the first couple of years. Um, I think that if you run every day of practice, listen to whatever your coach says, and then one day on Saturday or Sunday, it's more than good enough. What about breaks? Because I get people asking me all the time, like, how long of a break should they take after Mm -hmm. the season's over? I personally took three after my seasons were over, which I feel like was a lot. But for me, I needed a mental break. It wasn't even physical. I mean, sometimes I would feel a little burnt out after the season, but I was like, I just need the mental three-week break to get fully out of shape (laughs) before starting again. I love that. I agree. I, I think that, again, it just depends. Whatever your coach says you should do. Um but I believe that just being in high school is a stress. Yeah. I mean, classes, homework, all that kind of stuff. Like that's a stress, you know, and your, your body's changing and you're, you're growing and all that kind of stuff. Like all of that stuff needs to be added into the stress of training. And like when your coach is, let's say writing up a training plan, they have to understand that this kid is 16 years old. Yeah. They're going through other life drama and whatever. Yeah. You know? um, so after a season, you need to be able to take a breath, be a high schooler, go be a normal kid, enjoy yourself, and then slowly but surely get back into it. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on like strength training and when you should start doing that? Uh, that one definitely depends on what your what your coach says. Because yeah. um, within, let's say within a training plan, like some coaches have you just doing like body weights during this part of the season or maybe in the summertime you're doing this so it always changes yeah um so i just think that as you as you go by there's like little things you can do on your own um band work uh push-up setup like especially if you're a kid yeah like there's like i remember when i was in high school i used to always just like trick myself randomly and just be like all right before you do this, 20 push-ups. Like little things like <laughs> little that. Games. Like that was that was my it was like little games, yeah. so it made it fun. Um, but that was my strength training. Yeah, I didn't do any strength I training didn't in high school. Really do anything. I started a little bit my senior year, because by then I mean I was like developed and I was pretty mm-hmm. good as a runner and I kinda wanted to take it to the next level. Yep. Get not to toot my own horn, but I was just like, <laughs> I should probably get in the weight room at some point. And I did such like light weights. Now looking back, I'm like, I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. 
but I definitely didn't start doing like a serious, I didn't even do serious weight training in college. It was still very like, I don't know, injury prevention type of stuff, but I didn't get into the weight room consistently until college and Mm -hmm. it showed though. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it it matters, but it has to matter within the training point because you don't want to go and like lift heavy on a Thursday and then your coach is like, Hey, I have a super hard workout for you on Friday. Yeah. You know? So it, it all just depends on like what your coach wants and when the coach wants it, like where it fits, because at the end of the day, all you're doing and the simplest way to put it is like stressing the body and recovering the body. Mm -hmm. So if your coach is stressing the body on certain days and then you're stressing the body on other certain days, all you're doing is stressing the body. Yeah. Like, where's the recovery? Yeah. When are you getting better? And that's how you hurt yourself. Yeah. And I think doing the body weight stuff is definitely good in high school. I mean, it's a good like little precursor to the other stuff that you might be exactly. doing. Oh, uh, it's, it's a nice way to start. Yeah. Okay. So you, you talked about like not looking at professional runners. I find that social media is, it's both helpful and harmful. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have social media growing up. I would say. I mean, in high school, it was just starting. People weren't really posting their workouts. Yeah, I think we were lucky for that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think social media is a good or a bad thing? And have you seen it, like, I mean, you coach college. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's a positive influence? Um, I always go back and forth on it. I think the positive influence on it is it gets people excited. Like, it's it's nice to be able to see what Craig is doing regularly. Like, it's just exciting, and it gives them um, a professional athlete to, like, look up to. Mm -hmm. It it gives them – um, a dream or like a goal to chase, which is pretty dope. But I think that you can't put too much stock into an athlete's workout, like a professional runner's workout. Because um, if this runner, let's say Galen or Craig or one of these guys are running two flat 800 repeats or something crazy, um, it took them time to get to that point. Yeah. It took them years and years and years of consistent work and staying healthy to even get to that point. Um, yeah, you're not seeing high school Craig. Exactly. <laughs> repping out two-minute 800 repeats. Exactly. Um, so, it, and it's all just, it's just building blocks. So, I think I think the positive of it is just being excited to be able to, like, see what these professional runners are doing and, um like myself, I love watching what LeBron does on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Like it's pretty cool. You yeah. Know? Um, we didn't get that 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. But like, let's say the amount of weight that LeBron's lifting, I'm not really putting stock into that for me to go to the gym <laughs> and start lifting that and start thinking that I'm going to be in the NBA one day. Yeah. Do you have tips on like people not to compare themselves to other runners? Because I feel like everyone is so different. You know, mm-hmm. people function in different ways. People's training is so different from other people's and they will run the same exact time on a, on the track. Do you have any tips that you could give to like, I mean, especially younger runners that are looking at these people being yeah. like, I'm not doing enough. Yeah. I would say, honestly, it's just take everything that you see with a grain of salt. Um, my honest tip is just to like, watch, watch the workout, watch the videos, be excited about it, but don't compare yourself to, um, this athlete that is 10 years older than you has been running for 15 years longer than you. Um, and let alone that, like maybe the kid, the rival kid from across town kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Just two different training programs, two different, uh, upbringings. There's just so many different things. Um, 
that go into it. Yeah. And I honestly think that it's just all about like taking a breath and just doing whatever like your coach says. Yeah. The less you think, the better you'll probably be. Yeah. Do you have any ideas of someone like you coach a lot of people Mm -hmm. and I'm sure there are people that have hit plateaus in their training career. I mean, ever, I feel like every athlete goes through a plateau period in their lifetime. I mean, I have met very few who haven't. How do you navigate that? Like as a coach, you just have to refine the excitement. So a lot of people, let's say when you speak about plateaus, it's, it's more of just because they're still doing the work. They're still like showing up and doing the workout or whatever. Um, it's either A, they need more recovery and more sleep, um, or B, they just need more excitement from like their 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 route of running. Yeah. So like if an athlete has been running for since they were in middle school and then now they're a junior in college. You just kind of have to like have a good conversation with this athlete that you've connected with the last three years and just get them back on this train of thought of like, Oh, I, I want to go break four in the mile. I want to go do this. And like, you just remind them of that like childhood dream they used to have. Yeah. Kind of like bring, bring the excitement back and like light the fire under their butt a little bit. Yeah. Because a lot of the time I do feel like it is mental. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've definitely gone through mental plateaus where I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So I feel like it is, that's a good thing to like reframe your mindset regarding running. And that's definitely something I had to do in college to Mm -hmm. like carry me through the end of my career is being like, all right, I need to like, I I don't know. I was feeling burnt out and it's like, how, how do you even approach that? But I think, yeah, reframing it. And what I figured out for myself is like to stop putting so much pressure on myself to like, Yeah, I I don't know. I just put so much pressure on myself to accomplish these goals. And instead, I was like, why am I even doing this? And I had to sit down with myself and be like, I'm literally only doing this for fun, like for me, you know, mm-hmm. running is very fulfilling for me. And that may, that may sound selfish. But I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, why would I do this to myself if it's not fun? Yes, so exactly. I, I think it's definitely like a self reflection type of thing. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people like a lot of great runners um, have a, like a running diary yeah. of sorts. Um, so you go and within the diary, you can just kind of like re reread some of the old things that you've written in there, because you're going to have some stuff from maybe like your freshman year of high school, or your freshman year of college or whatever, that reminds you of how much you love the sport, yeah. how much you love running and why you're doing it. Um, because there's times and, and confide in like your teammates and stuff. Like you have so many resources and so many people to be able to reach out to. And the nice thing about, let's say, social media now is you can even reach out to Emma. You can shoot her a DM. <laughs> I'm here, guys. Yeah. Shoot her DM and she'll be able to kind of like help you in that that yeah. regard. Um, or myself, I don't really, I would love to talk yeah. to some high school kids or whoever. Um, because at the end of the day, it's just, if you take a step back, that's only a short period of time in your whole running career. Yep. Maybe this like down period that you're having. Um, as long as you're healthy and like happy, like you're going to run well. Yeah. 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's the one thing I wish I did is I wish I kept like a running diary or training log over Mm -hmm. my entire career. I did a horrible job at that. I don't have any of my training logs. I got (laughs) very, very, very lucky in high school when my coach just introduced me to flow track. So flow track is just to have. Oh yeah. Yeah. Before they took it away. It was was actually awesome. Uh, And I have all of those from, I think back to when I was, maybe a junior in high school, give or take, maybe a sophomore. And it's Mm -hmm. like really cool to be able to look at like the progression and stuff. And like my high school coach did a really good job at just um, keeping me, keeping me like uh, humbled about just like workouts and stuff. Like we did 800 repeats and in high school, I don't know what I was running, like 230s or something, 240s. Um, Whereas now – it could be a lot faster and I could see the progression yeah. of, of the workouts and everything, which yeah. is just exciting. Yeah. So I would recommend if you're not already like tracking your mileage or mm-hmm. honestly, like leaving little notes for yourself on okay. after every day of training, I really wish I did just yeah. so I could see my like mindset too. Cause you kind of see like, if you're going through an injury or something, like, you can see yourself kind of come out of the injury. hundred percent. And it'd be so just awesome to look back and just see that I always over thought the one of the best tools with uh, like having a running log or a running diary is when you are injured, you can look back at what worked with, let's say, your Achilles injury or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like what band stuff worked, what what kind of strength stuff did you do? Um, so the next time around, the like recovery period is gonna be a lot shorter. Yeah, and that injury length is gonna be a lot shorter, which yeah. is what you want, you know. Speaking on injuries, how do you approach them as a coach? Say someone comes up to you and they're like, I'm injured. Uh, What do you prescribe them? I would definitely, definitely, definitely tell them to go talk to the training staff, the medical professional. Um, At the end of the day, coaches, it's not like we can only give our experience with the injuries Mm -hmm. um, from maybe past athletes or past uh, running experiences and stuff. But at the end of the day, like the best person to talk to is like, your athletic trainer. Yeah. That's what I always recommend too. Cause people sign in my DMS are like this part of my body hurts. What do I do? I'm like, yeah. I have no idea because I'm only an athlete and coach, I exactly. guess too. We can give, we can give our expertise and like past experience thoughts. But other than that, it's everyone's different. Like, yeah. There's many people that have had Achilles issues, mm-hmm. but every single person goes through it very differently. Yeah. And the severity of your injury is so different. Exactly. So that, that is my advice too. go to a medical professional. Mm-hmm. Tell your coach, yeah, don't, your coach. don't communicate. Don't run sure. through it. Don't, <laughs> yeah. Don't run through it. Communicate, but tell them I'm going to the trainer yeah. or the doctor and we're going to figure it out. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. Now let's talk on the mental, not mental injury. I was talking to Alexi Papas the other day and okay. we were, we were talking about this, <laughs> but Let's talk about like your mentality regarding running. So say you have an athlete that is super anxious before races and it's like debilitating where Mm -hmm. it's like they cannot, they cannot perform to their best because they are so anxious. How do you tackle that? Uh, That's a great question because I used to be that. I used to be that athlete. Yeah. I used to get so nervous. It's crazy. What were you nervous for? Um, I, I don't know if it was just like the eyeballs on me or the pressure of it. Like it was just, for some reason, I always got like the like heavy stomach feeling like I'm going to throw up. Um, and when I got to NC, like honestly, my whole running career was exactly the same. But I got to NC State and the head coach there, Raleigh Geiger, 
I remember pulled me aside before one of our races and was like, hey, don't make it. Like, he was so calm, which helped it a lot. Yeah. Just to have, like, a, like a stable figure a right next to me. My yeah. rock, you know. And he was just like, don't make it bigger than it is. He's just running at the end of the day. Um, and I've had other advices from other coaches where it would be like, like, your parents and your siblings and your friends are still going to love you tomorrow. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Like, use use that anxious um feelings that you're having to be able to like go run well because it just means that you care at the end of the day yeah that's why you're so nervous or yeah so scared or whatever yeah I think the best thing that I always remind myself if I get overly nervous is yeah it really is only running I know how big it feels in the moment like Mm -hmm. say you're lining up for a state championship or something you're like my life depends on this but it really does not like it's all about having fun at the end of the day. And it's about like, I don't know, being fulfilled and like your running career and stuff. And I think the best way to feel fulfilled is to have a good time doing it and not overstress yourself out for one meet, regardless of the meet that it is. Big time. Yeah. Uh, when I was my last year at NC state, um, one of my roommates, Sam Parsons, um, <laughs> people kinda, may be familiar. <laughs> people may be familiar with him. He, uh, him and I, we just kind of like bantered a little bit about, just racing and nerves like just yeah. like this and what we came up with was like we're this is this is the fun part like we go and we work really really hard for weeks and months and everything for this race um that's a that's a day to have fun like that's the day to not be nervous um that's the day to be able to uh showcase all this hard work that you've put in yeah like you should have the confidence to be able to look back and be like man those workouts are probably gonna be harder than this race yeah those like those runs in the snow and the wind um, are going to be a lot harder than this this one beautiful race at Stanford. Yeah, you know, I think that's what really shaped my mentality when I I mean I struggled with like my mental headspace, you mm-hmm. know, for a lot of years in college. And I think what when I sat myself down that one time when I was feeling burnt out and I was like, why am I doing this? Yeah, I think what really helped shift my mentality is realizing like the race day is like the fun part. Like you said, 100%. it's I mean, my 1500s that I were running was that I was running lasted four and a half minutes. Yeah. So I'm like, why am I getting so nervous for four and a half minutes? Like two minutes of it maybe is painful. Exactly. And I think once I just kind of like, I remember the first race, it was Stanford. It was a Stanford invite that I really changed my mindset. I just got my wisdom teeth out mm-hmm. the week before I hadn't trained for like a week. And yeah. I was like, all right, we're going to go into the 1500, <laughs> which was seated. Like everyone seated in it was under 420. Yeah. And my PR was like four. 20 I think at the time so I was like all right we're just gonna go into this and I'm gonna lead the race because I just sat myself down and I was like why not like it's just one race and it doesn't even matter like who cares if I blow up and I had I think that was like one of the best races of my running career because I just put no pressure on myself went out there and was like I don't know how I'm gonna do because I just got my wisdom teeth out I'm just gonna go into it having fun saw the sunshine for the first time in like six Mm -hmm. months I love that and it was it was like so fulfilling to me and I I mean I can recall it so like I don't know so much to this day just because I think that was when I really like shifted my mindset in terms of running and realized racing is the fun part there's mm-hmm. not when you put so much pressure on yourself it really takes away like the the reason why you do it I think. yeah and one one like small piece of advice that I would always give athletes or teammates or whoever is break down the race like if you're gonna worry about something just worry about um maybe the first lap 
-hmm. because once that gun goes off, most your pressure and everything's gone. The nerves are gone. So if you can just, all right, if as long as I'm here at the at the four hundred meter mark or whatever, like worry about that, and then at four hundred, we'll let future Moran worry about yeah, <laughs> everything yeah. else. You know what I mean? Um, instead of just being like, oh my god, like three thousand meters, it's so long. Or, <laughs> yeah. 8,000 meter AK cross country races so long kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. my, my goal was always like, okay, the first two K of this cross country race, I'm going to be here. Like that's, and if I do that, great milestone. Yeah. Now the next two K I'll worry about that then. Mm -hmm. Um, and that took a lot of pressure off for sure, because I, I would always look at the whole race. And then I started like thinking about other competitors or, um, man, what are, what, like, if I run bad, like, what are my teammates going to think of me? What is, what is my coach going to think of me? Once you let all of that go away, you're going to run your best run, like your best type of races. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about mental toughness, mm-hmm. because that's something that I have had to develop over the years, especially when I got into college and had to run cross country. Yeah, I was like, all right, it's a lot longer than the mile or the 1500. So how... What do you think are the best ways to like, I don't know, build your mental toughness? I believe mental toughness is built in training. So those hard workouts, um, just, just showing up every day. So like you are building on your mental toughness when, I don't know, a Saturday morning rolls around. Um, no one, no one's around your coach isn't around. It's just you, um, and it's snowing outside. Are you going to go for your run or not? Mm-hmm. That's that's building like that mental callus of of training and stuff. And then when you get to a race, you can look back on days like that and just be like, "I'm ready to go." Yeah, like I'm I'm tougher than any any race or whatever is in front of me. Yeah, and it's the same with hard workouts, like pushing yourself to the limit mm-hmm. in hard workouts. Not that you should do that every time, yeah. but when you do, I feel like that just builds a new level of mental toughness as well. Definitely builds a new level of mental toughness. And like, I, I think everything that goes into it, like mental toughness and confidence, it's all in the same like bowl. It's just all comes from consistent work. Like you're going to be mentally tougher. Um, the more consistent you have been, um, let's say the last three months of training. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you, you just show up and again, not think just just listen to whatever your coach says day in and day out when race day comes you're going to be mentally ready you're going to be mentally tough and ready to do it because you just put yourself through this grinder for three months of training Mm -hmm. what are what is your thoughts on visualization i love it i i i think going to bed um and just visualizing yourself doing what your goal is daily i mean because once that once that time in the race comes that you've just been visualizing for weeks um you're gonna be ready to go yeah so it is crazy the power that it has oh it's insane yeah it's like a blueprint you kind of you kind of plan out what you're gonna do and then the race unfolds how it should and then you have exactly the tools that you need to do it yeah um i've always so one quote that i love more than anything is a mike dyson quote and it's like Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. So I've never been punched in the face. So. I've been punched in the face. <laughs> but um, I believe that. So everyone has this grand plan of how that's going to go and how they're going to win the state title and everything. Um, I just think if you go in and you say, okay, I'm going to 
break it down uh, at, at 400 meters, if I'm here, great. At 800 meters, if I'm there, awesome. And just break it down, let's say lap by lap. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to take away the stress of like being the state champ, being this person and just visualize it in segments, yeah. visualize it in parts kind of thing. Um, and once, once you've completely exhausted your visual, visualization of the first 400 meters, then you can get to the 800 yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Because you don't want to like only visualize one scenario yes. because then say, okay, if that doesn't go. Everything goes down. Yeah, exactly. You and you're like, what do time. I do? 100%. So you need to be adaptable too. And that is actually one of the traits that I've learned over the years, just of like seeing my pro runner friends or my like elite runner, all Americans in mm -hmm. college is the adaptability people have, not just in their like running, but yeah. also just in day to day life. Like you need to be able to adapt to situations yes. to be a good athlete, which is Something I didn't really realize until I was older, but... I agree. I think um, having, like... Because everyone has their, like, special pre-race meal or something. Mm -hmm. But you've got to be adaptable if that Starbucks is close and you can't get that coffee. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, exactly. You have to be adaptable. And that's the same thing when it comes to races. If you visualize where you're supposed to be at maybe a certain time and it doesn't go the way it's supposed to in your head, let's say somebody kind of, like, cuts you off or something. You can't let that deter you from getting to where you're supposed to be at 800 meters yeah you know you just got to be adaptable and keep moving and stay in the race stay in there and same thing with training because there's so many times where i've driven to uh maybe a certain certain run spot that i'm i'm going to run at like i'm like all right it's wednesday this is where we're going and then it's closed it's like do you just take the day off no, no you, you adapt figure it out you know what i mean you figure yeah. it out you go to another spot or maybe you run from there in the other direction or whatever um and that is part of the consistency yeah part of just showing up yeah and it's like you want to expend the least amount of like i don't know pressure on yourself or any sort of mental thing especially when you're if you're like a pro you don't want to be like oh my gosh like you said my starbucks is closed yes. or like oh my gosh i can't have my yeah. my pasta yeah. the night before i have to have potatoes like exactly. you can't you don't want to stress about that because that's not that's gonna matter more than the race stress. yeah it's just big stress um some of the best athletes i've seen are just so adaptable yeah when it comes down to, like they would like to go to like maybe that nice italian restaurant and get the pasta and carbo load and all that fun stuff but if that doesn't happen, it doesn't take away from the next day. Yeah. You can't let it take away from uh, training or you can't let it take away from your NCAA championship race or your state championship race. Or exactly. I love that. Mm -hmm. So to kind of wrap up the episode, I want to talk about the Oregon State program specifically because mm -hmm. I'm so intrigued. I mean, it's been improving over the years and now you guys i heard you guys had like four girls run under 9 30 in a time trial uh yes we had we had some girls run pretty well in the 3k time yeah. trial that we just ran um and i honestly it's it's one of those things where i believe that the athletes make the coach for sure yeah. like our athletes at oregon state are phenomenal yeah some of the greatest women i've ever met in my life um but i will have to say that louis quintana is so good at his job like the guy will drop anything for any of his athletes he'll drop anything for me um if i call him he answers kind of thing um he's in the office daily yeah all the time constantly um if let's say an athlete needs to go earlier in the day can't go out practice like he'll shift things around to be able to help whoever yeah um and that's big i think i think it starts with 
the coach being um, just being a positive figure to the athletes and that trickles down because our girls are so awesome and it all starts somewhere you know yeah I really I it just takes a lot to be a coach takes a lot of sacrifice Mm -hmm. and to be able to individualize like your training program I think it's so important to build a good program overall because every runner is so different you know you need you need to have that individualization individual individualization individualization (laughs) I can't say some words um yeah, but I mean that it's just really impressive. Do you think like what do you think has been like is it just a new standard of excellence on the team now or like what do you think has been the biggest thing that has well, made cause improvement? For sure is Louis getting there and talking to Louis cuz he was there 2 years before I got there. Mm-hmm. Which um, was when? I think he got there in 2016, 2017. Um 2017. But when he got there he immediately just, um, how do I phrase that? When he got there, he pretty much just set his standard of expectation yeah. of of the team and mm-hmm. running. And um, one really cool thing is that he's he's just coached so many great athletes in his past that it kind of gives him that immediate credibility. Um, so a lot of kids are buying in immediately and yeah. like his first couple of years may have been rocky but you just keep pushing forward yeah you just keep selling the dream keep bringing this positive attitude like um every single day that i've been there the whole last year i mean he's just been a rock like he is the rock like like raleigh geiger yeah me, kind of thing like he's just so positive um if i'm coming with even remotely like a bad attitude he knows how to flip it yeah. Um, the conversations we have are always about the girls, always about how could we get X, Y, and Z to this time? How could we get them to the show? How mm-hmm. can we improve them kind of thing? So it's definitely like a thankless job, like I said earlier. And he just, he just tenaciously shows up. So he consistently shows up as well. Yeah. How do you like foster good energy on the team really good community because i know girls teams can have some drama sometimes yeah do you guys have a lot of drama on your team or maybe maybe behind the scenes that you just don't know about because you're a coach if so it'd definitely be behind the scenes because at practice our girls are are awesome like yeah they bring such a great positive attitude to practice and that makes definitely my life easier uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one's coming to you talking yeah, about exactly. drama yeah uh, which which helps a lot but uh louis i mean he so they bring a positive attitude he brings a positive attitude i believe that um and i always just say this with friends but i think not having a men's program is actually kind of a good thing why just oh i mean i guess yeah i, <laughs> I think, don't have I think, that aspect of it i think men bring bring the drama um uh, <laughs> And I'm saying that as a guy that ran on multiple men's programs, yeah, we we bring we bring the drama. <laughs> um, but no, they they just kind of like leave it at the door. Yeah. So at practice, you don't see anything that's going on behind mm-hmm. the scenes, which is that's awesome. good. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So they all are there together, training, um, and getting better together, which is great to see. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, so the last question I have for you, actually, no, I have two more questions. Okay. What does it take to be a coach? 
because I know a lot of people are interested in coaching with whether they leave like high school or they leave mm-hmm. college running and they're like, I want to be a coach. What do you think it takes? Uh, man, the coaching, the coaching route is different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, some people right off the bat stay at their school and become a volunteer there. Um, some people go and become a head coach at a community college across <laughs> the country. Uh, so it's different for everyone. Um, I think at the end of the day, you just have to be ready to like put your head down and grind for a few years. Um, it's like right now I'm the volunteer at Oregon State. And one day I'd love to go be a head coach at a power five. But I understand that it's just you got to pay your dues. Yeah. You go put your head down and do whatever the because a lot of those coaches, older coaches pay their dues already, mm-hmm. you know. So you just go and work really hard and um, with no expectation, with basically. no expectation, pretty much. Yeah, and just be happy. I mean, it really I, is about passion. It's for all the about sport. passion. And yeah. I love, I love running, and I firmly believe that I'm in the best like profession ever. Yeah, well, that's awesome. So, um, the last question I want to leave you on is hmm. maybe it's not really a question, but would you have like what would you give one tip for high schoolers? High school runners, high school athletes. Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I'll leave with everyone is 100% recovery because everyone wants to go and do the sexy workouts. They want to go do all these runs and they see that people are running 100 mile weeks. They want to go do all that. While on the other end, to actually get better, you got to recover. Mm-hmm. So with that comes eating well, sleeping well. Um, in between runs, um, making sure that you're not going, or in between workouts, sorry, making sure you're not going too hard on your like easy days. Um, so like easy days, easy, hard days, hard for sure. Uh, yeah, I would just, I would just say, make sure that you're recovering all the hard stuff that you're doing. Yeah. I love that. That's what I always preach too. And I feel Mm -hmm. like some people, actually a lot of people overlook it, but it is really important. So you're hearing it from two athletes and two coaches there you go well thank you maron for coming on i think this episode was really beneficial for a lot of people i learned some more about you and your coaching philosophies and also as an athlete more than just my neighbor well i'm really happy that you had me on and honestly all the other all the other neighbors and our friends are going to be very mad about (laughs) they're going to be pissed so if any of you guys are listening yeah you should be jealous shout out to all of you guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um okay so where where can people follow you at where can people find you or uh, any plugs that you want to give right now well i'm gonna plug oregon state it's not like i just talked about them for an hour yeah <laughs> but i'm gonna plug oregon state lou quintana and the the whole women's team love all of them um you guys can find me on instagram twitter everything like no tiktok none of that kind of stuff but <laughs> everything's moron 03 which makes it so easy oh yeah. look at you influencer yeah. okay <laughs> i see you Cool. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Um, To close out the episode, can we get a good old peace out, fellas? Peace out, fellas. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Convos Over Cold Brew. I hope you enjoyed it. Big shout out to Nathan W. for supporting the podcast. I give one of my supporters a shout out in each episode, and it's super easy to support just through the Anchor platform. The link is in the show notes. A free way to support the podcast that really helps me out is rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts. I love reading your guys' reviews. It seriously makes my day, and I just love hearing everything you like about the podcast. So go do that if you want. And then if you want to be up to date on like the newest episodes and even submit listener questions sometimes, follow at Combos Over Cold Brew Pod on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I will hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.